heard anyone say, just go for it? Have you ever, ever heard anyone say, just go for it? For the guys in this place, it's usually before, like, you know, maybe you're going to ask out this girl or you're going to, you know, somebody dares you to do something. You're like, nah, I don't know if that's a good idea. And they're like, just go for it, man. It's going to be hilarious. And your buddies put you in situations like this. You know, like, yeah, that'll be awesome. Just, just go for it. And later on, it's like, oh, whoops. You know, maybe it's your girlfriends who are cheering you on. Yeah, just go for it. I don't care how many girls he's dumped. He's cute. Just go for it. And, you know, I've had moments like this that happened in my life where I've shared this story before. But years ago when I was a youth pastor, there was this thing called roller skating. It was back in the day when there was cassette decks and Walkmans. There is uh, this thing called roller skating. And you would all go to this uh, a big arena and put on these four-wheel skates and skate around in circles. And that was called fun. Uh, so we would, uh, I remember taking our youth group there and, and uh you know, it just wasn't that fun for me. And, and as we were there, I noticed that around the, around the outside of the arena, there was this wall which was about, you know, three feet high. And, and I thought, oh, man, that, that, I, in my head, the wheels started spinning. Because then they had these benches, that, these big round benches that were about a foot and a half high outside the uh, arena. And I was looking, I was like, man, I could jump on one of those benches. And then I could jump over the wall. And in my head, I just pictured myself doing this. And I could see everybody in the whole arena thinking, that's awesome. And, and looking at, like, that's the coolest guy. That's the coolest youth pastor. I was like, if I could do this, I just know it. Like, every guy in the place would want to be me. And every girl would want to date me. So like, let's go for it. And, and so then I said, you know, I told a few people like, hey, I want to try this. And they're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was like, yeah, right. I don't know. Like, no, just do it. I was like, okay. So I skated and I jumped onto the ledge and then I jumped over the wall and I hit a pole like right there. I didn't make it. I was like, oh man. I, I sort of slid down the side of the wall. I was like, oh, that was a bad idea. I'm glad nobody knew. And this was before camera, every, like every phone had a camera before YouTube. I was like, oh man, that was embarrassing. And as, as I'm skating away, the people that had known had gathered some others around. They're like, hey man, you know what? you got to try again. And I'm like, no, no, I can't. You know, this, this was not good. Like, it's gonna, it, it was already hurt enough. And like, no, come on, you got to do it. And, and Beth, my wife, was one of them. She was one of the youth back then. And she's like, all of a sudden, they, you know, a bunch of them start getting around. They start going, chicken, chicken, chicken. You can't call anybody chicken, right? So I was like, this is like, I got to try it again. So I move the bench so that it's clear sailing over. And, and, and my youth group lines up in two lines. And they're like, just do it. Just go for it. And I skate in between them. And I jump on. I make it onto the platform. I jump. I make it over the wall. I clear the wall. And on the other side, I crumple in a big heap. I broke the roller blade. And I broke my leg. And I busted up my ego something fierce. And as I'm laying there on the other side, I'm just like, oh, this is not this is not what I pictured this to, to be like. And I thought, you know, everything that flooded through my mind of just go for it, it's going to be glorious was like, I didn't picture this. And then I all of a sudden still laying there and I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I try and stand up and I wasn't fine. And I had to have people wheel me off in front of all those people, right? They're all laughing. Oh, that's hilarious. Then I'm sitting there, I'm like, how the heck am I going to drive these youth home? I'm like, oh, I can't even drive my own car. It's standard. I'm like, oh, so I had to leave it there. My parents had to pick me up. I'm like 23. I had to go back to their house and sleep on their floor for a few days. And then later on, you know, about a month later, we get this letter in, it mailed to the church that says something to the effect of, 
You know, we were at the arena the other night when your youth group was there, and we noticed something. How could you guys hire such an irresponsible person to be in charge of your youth group? Somebody could have died. And we're like, somebody could have died? And then they sent and closed an article from another youth group where another youth pastor, thank goodness there was one of them, but this guy, he took all of his youth group to the pier when the waves were rushing over and thought it'd be really cool just to kind of get, let the waves, you know, uh, get the kids wet. Well, the waves took one of the kids over and they drowned. And so it was really sad, but they thought that was me. They're like, this guy, you know, he, somebody could have died. You need to fire him. And then it was anonymous on the bottom, right? I'm like, it could have been one of our church people. I don't even know. And, and so then I'm, they're all reading this and they all look at me and like, so do you have anything to say for yourself? I'm like, oh, you know, I did not expect this when I was skating down that line and going to jump over. This is not what I pictured. To this day, my ankle still bothers me sometimes when it gets cold and wet. I'm like, oh man, I'm like 38 with like, I don't know, like arthritis or something in there. It's like, I think about, I'm like, I did not think about this when I was going to skate down and jump over that wall to, to, to the extreme glory. But all those who said, just go for it. And what I found is many people have experienced this exact same thing when it comes to happiness. It's like, you know, you think this thing's going to make you happy. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, buy that thing because I know. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink that. You know, I'm, ju- I'm just going to eat that. I'm just going to date that. I'm just going to smoke that. I'm just going to marry that. And then years down the road, maybe not even, maybe months, maybe it's the next morning, you wake up and you're like bewildered, like, that did not go as, I don't even remember what happened, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And you wake up with this thought. He said, I just go for it. I thought it was going to make me happy. And then some, you know, it did do exactly what you thought it was going to do. You thought, man, this is going to make me happy. And, 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 and even I thought, even if I had landed it, even if, you know, that was the, the moment of my life where it's like, yes, this is how I met my wife. You know, this is our story of our lives. That's, that's where, you know, everything in my life has happened because of this moment. I, I, everyone was cheering. It was awesome. It'd be like that moment in your life that you kind of go back to all the time, and, and you're never living there again. The happiness wears off. I don't know, maybe you've had that. You know, you've had these events in your life, and, and you just long for the good old days. You know, like, when I was, when, you hear people talk about it. Like, when I was a quarterback in my high school football team, and they talk about it, they're like, you're like 60, man. You know, that's like 50 years ago, and, and, and that's the best thing that happened in your life? And, and they're like, yeah, but, you know, then I had two knees, and I could run, and, you know, life was so, and it's like this, out of this unhappiness, you just keep looking back to those moments of, of happiness in your life, but you realize they were temporary. And so in this idea of just go for it, it's like you realize whether you win or you lose in the just go for it mode, you still end up unhappy. And so what do you do to fix that? Just go for it again. You know, I got to go to the next party. I got I to try the next thing. And it's like whatever it is that you see, you just go for it. And pretty soon you sit down and you realize, wait a second, if I'm honest with myself, I find that I'm in this cycle of unhappiness, that every time I go for it, fail. Go for happiness, oh, it didn't do it. Go for this happiness, oh, it didn't do it. And you sit back and maybe you have to ask yourself, maybe I don't really know what actually makes me truly happy. And so we've talked about a couple of things that get in the way of true happiness, but today I want to talk to you about what Jesus says about what can actually give you true happiness. If you want true happiness in your life, you can have it, and there's a couple things that you need to do to get it. So sometimes people think, you know, God's against happiness. You know, it's like I can either be uh, a good Christian or I can be happy. Which one do I want to be? And we think God's against our happiness, and we know that he's not. 
He's actually for it. And you can see that as you, as you look today in the Word. So if you turn to Psalms, the book of Psalms, if you're looking for the spelling, it starts with a P. Um, I don't know why. But Psalms, the idea of Psalms, we're just going to go to Psalms chapter 1 this morning. In Psalms chapter uh, 1, it's a, it's a collection of 150 uh, little like chapters or little poems that uh, were put together. And, and back in that day, they would put all this stuff, these poems together to be sung because music helps you remember things. So these important things, they said, you know, we're going to put it to songs that people remember this. So the stuff that we're um, talking about today, it was meant to be meant to be remembered. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's on back in the day, they had Hooked on Phonics. Hooked on Phonics made a mint off this principle. The idea that let's put, let's put music to learning and watch how these kids remember it. And you know it's true too for yourself. Maybe you know, you're at this spot and you're like, you, you can't remember your anniversary date, you know, after 25 years. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you, you forget it. But you remember every word to Achy Breaky Heart. Don't tell my heart my, cause I just don't, Oh, see, you know how it is. You probably haven't sung that song in like ever, uh, but you know, you know all the lyrics. Why? Because it's stuck in there. And the idea was this, that the, that the hope would be, uh, just sing about your anniversary, guys. That will help you remember. Make up a song, whatever. Make a rap. You'll remember it. But the idea was that you would, that you would remember this. So we're not going to sing this today, but here's the idea. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. Uh, it says, blessed is the man and as soon as you hear this, most of the time, like as we read the Bible, we just sort of skim read through. You know, blessed is the man, and we're like, blessed. You know, that's not a word we really use in our culture. You hear it in church, but you don't hear it anywhere else. You don't hear the word blessed, you know, like people say, oh man, I'm so blessed that the Leafs won last night. Well, they didn't win either, but uh, you, never hear people, you never hear people say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed that, that I went to my favorite store and that purse was on sale. Oh, I'm so blessed about that. You know, you never hear girls like, oh, I got engaged. I'm so blessed. They don't. You don't hear people saying, oh, you know, I just really want to be blessed. You know, or you hear people saying, you know, I, I deserve to be blessed. We, we just don't have that. We have, you know, even the word blessed, maybe for you, you grew up like in the old school church was like blessed. It was like that word. And as soon as they say it, they even say it differently. It's like blessed has like this religious um, tone to it. And it's got this religious ring to it. You know what other ring it has to it? Boring. You know, you're like, I don't really care about being blessed or blessed. It doesn't matter to me. As you just kind of read through Psalm 1 and you're like, well, gone. But the interesting thing is if you slow down a little bit and you just take a look at this word and you realize that, that what it actually also means, in, in, when King James thought, you know, hey, let's, let's write the Bible in English, blessed was a pretty cool word in his term, in his, in his day and age. But it isn't in ours. So if you look up the word blessed in the Hebrew, it actually has, it has a, a double meaning. It means blessed, but it also means happy. Happy. You can just scratch it out in your Bible or on your iPad or whatever and say blessed. The actual word means happy. And it was actually meant to be an interjection. It was one of those things where it's like, happy! And once they got your attention, they just would share whatever else was after that just because they knew now you were listening. We miss out on things in the Bible because we, uh, we read through it just way too quick. And when you slow down and realize that this is about happiness, you're thinking, oh, wait a second. That's something I want. What's, what's it have to say about happiness? So then the psalmist writes this. He writes, oh, the joys of, or, or happy are. He's like, the, happy are the people, are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. So he gives you a little checklist. And he begins to describe what happy people don't look like first. They don't follow the advice of the wicked. 
They don't stand around with sinners. They don't join in with mockers. And so it says, here's three things. He says, if you want to be truly happy, truly happy people, they don't follow the advice of those who don't know God. He's saying to them, you know what, they don't follow the idea of worldly wisdom. And you're like, well, what's worldly wisdom? What's like, what do you mean? What kind of, what kind of advice is, uh, are you talking about? Because, you know, as we, we re- I don't know if you realize this, but you're getting fed bad advice all the time. You just don't realize it all the time that it's bad advice because you don't know what God's advice is on things. And some of it sounds like it really makes sense. You know, you'll get advice like this. You'll get it via email or text on your phone. Upgrade to that new iPhone 6. Upgrade to that new vehicle. Even though yours still works fine, you can trade it in for another one of the exact same type and just pay us more money. Upgrade to that bigger house so that you have more rooms to clean and have to work more hours to pay for that mortgage and the, and the cleaning crew that's coming to clean it. But you're going to be happier. It's bad advice. Things like this with kids, you know. Your parents are idiots. Just move out. They don't know a thing. And as kids, you're like, believe that. You're like, yeah, that's right. They don't know nothing. I'm moving out. I could do this on my own. And then you're out on your own, and, and you realize, ooh, this ain't good. And then people are like, just move in with that guy or that girl you love. Move in with them. You know why? Because if you move in with them, you're actually going to find out what marriage is like. And if it's going to work, you'll find out if your marriage is going to be happy. Just move in with them and see. Statistics tell you that's really bad advice. Then once you realize that, you're like, oh, it didn't really work out. Then it's like, divorce that guy or divorce that girl because you'll be happier. Advice saying all the money that you make, it's meant to be spent on you. You made the money. It's all meant for you and whatever you want. Or advice saying live your life, your whole life. Live your life for that thing called retirement at the end. Just plan everything for that, for those last few moments that you can enjoy them in happiness. It's this idea, you know, go for it. Even looking online, I found this quote. Sometimes you got to quit thinking so much. That should be a red flag right there. But sometimes you got to quit thinking so much. If it feels right, it probably is. So just go for it. Those that end up truly happy didn't follow this kind of advice. Truly happy people. And the second thing, it says they don't hang out in the way of sinners. He's talking about a path. They don't, they, don't, they, they don't follow the advice of what they hear, but they also don't follow the path, uh, not following the habits or the, 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 the course of, of life of those who don't know the Lord. They don't live by the everyone else is doing it policy. Remember that conversation you used to have with your parents? Hey, can I go to the party, Mom? Like, no. Come on, Mom, why? Everybody else is doing it. And what does your parents always say? If everybody else... How is it that all the parents have the same line? If, all, if everyone else jumped off a bridge, you look at your parents, you roll your eyes, like, Mom, when did we say anything about people jumping off bridges? No, like, we just want to go to the party. We just want to, you know, hang out at the, at the mall all day. We just want to do this. And it's like, you know, no. You know, it's, it's this, this thought. And with, with parents, and, um, they, they stop you because as parents, and as being parents, you know when they ask you, you're like, hey, listen, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that you're going to end up being happy about those decisions years down the road. That's what they sort of say in that line of, if everyone else jumped off a bridge. But then when I realized, and I wish I'd learned this as a teenager, because then I could have used it. So teens, listen up, take notes on this. This is good. So the thing that we don't often realize as teenagers is that when our parents are like, if everyone else is doing it, you know, if everyone else jumped off a bridge, would you? You know, you're not doing it just because everyone else is doing it. 
Here's one, but just, you know, be very respectful in using this, is that our parents do the exact same thing, except it's called keeping up with the Joneses. It's that idea of, oh, if the guy at work, well, he got a new phone, I deserve a new phone. You know, the guy at work, well, you know, he's trying, he's, you know, he's trying some uh, little ladies on the side, and he seems happy, you know, maybe my marriage ain't that good, you know, and, and things like this, and, you know, well, they, they, got a, they, they got a brand new car, and they're driving, I think we should have one. They went on vacation, you know, and took all their kids to Cuba, I think we should do that, and it's this idea of, you know, they seem happy doing all this stuff. And they have this keeping up with the Jones mentality. Well, they did it, and they seem happy. Real cool thing, write, down, write this down, Psalm 73. You can look it up later. We're not going to do it uh, today. But fantastic thought about a guy who just, he says, you know, I watched the people that I thought, you know, w- w- that, that were wicked, the people who weren't living for God. And, and he says, but they look like they're having more fun than me. They look like they've got it all together, and everything seems better for them. And it's just not as good for me. Here I serve the Lord but it's not as good for me. And he says, I almost slipped. He says, I almost went and said, you know, I'm going to go do what they're doing because I'm going to be happier. And he says, but what God showed me is the end. He says, when I realized the end, I was like, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. This seems happy now, but its end result isn't so much. Truly happy people realize that the path that they're on is leading you somewhere. The path that you're on is leading you somewhere. It's this mathematical equation. Direction plus time leads to your destination. Those that end up truly happy, they don't follow, oh, that's going to make me happy, that's going to make me happy, that's going to make me happy, when true happiness requires that you be going in the other direction. Because you get to here and it's time, taking steps in a direction, making choices in a direction, eventually you end up in that place. By taking steps here, I end up in the texting section. I don't end up on the stage. I don't want to be in that section. I I want it to be up here, but after all that time, I realize I'm in the wrong spot. And that's what the, the psalmist is saying. Don't follow the path. It's taking you somewhere. Truly happy people, it says in the third one, don't join in with the mockers. And what the, the words of this mean, they don't remain. Just remember that word. They don't remain or live in the house of proud and arrogant people. And when I realize that, it's just a nice way of saying, you know, you live in your house. So if, if your house is the house of proud, arrogant people, he's basically saying you're a proud, arrogant person. He's like, truly happy people aren't proud and arrogant people. And what's pride and arrogance all about? It's this idea simply of thinking that I'm my own God. I know what makes me happy. I don't need someone else to tell me. I don't need a book to tell me. I don't need God to tell me. I, I, I know what makes me happy, and I'm just going to do that myself. And he says, you know what, truly happy people, you're resisting the thing that's going to help you the most because it's an outside opinion and it's outside advice that's going to actually lead you to true happiness. And you know, it's, it's true if you think about it. How many times have you seen somebody make mistakes around you that have led them to just incredible unhappiness that you know as you watch them, they're like, they're doing this because they think it's going to make them happy, but it's really not. You know, they're going to the smoke pit for the first time at school because they think it's going to make them feel popular and cool, but you sit on the outside and you're like, I know that years down the road when they're addicted, that's not going to make them happy. How many of you have ever seen somebody like that? Now, how many of you have seen people make the same mistake over and over and over? They date the same kind of loser guy over and over and over. They keep getting, you know, they keep attracting the wrong kind of girls. They keep getting themselves into debt they can't manage over and over and over. They keep ruining friendship after friendship over and over and over. You're like, you're looking at them thinking, how do they not get it? Einstein described it very well. He just said that the definition 
of insanity is this, that you do the same thing over and over, but you expect different results. And he says, truly happy people realize this fact. They don't stay in that place because they realize, they realize that they need something from the outside. Psalm 1 verse 2, he, the psalmist goes on, he says this, but they, the people, truly happy people, they don't do any of those things. He says, but they do something else instead. And it says they delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. And when you read that, you're like, ah, you know, just kind of go on by. Many of you have read this, you just right on by. Law, no thanks. You know, meditate. Nope, not for me. You know, and it's like, gone, done. And yet as you read through and you stop and you slow down and say, well, King James would have wrote it this way. But what does it mean today? And it means this today. It says, but they, the people, truly happy people, do this thing. They delight, they desire, and they choose to place value on the advice and the instruction of the Lord. That's what the law is talking about, God's advice. They value that. It's this idea that they, they, they value it, and they're thinking about it day and night. It says they meditate on it, and that basically means to ponder it, to think about it, to, uh, as you're going through life, you're like, huh, I'm facing this hmm, God, what would you think about this? What does your word say about this, about the decisions that, that I'm making? You know, I wonder, what, I wonder what God thinks about parenting. I wonder what God thinks about marriage. I wonder what God thinks about work and about, about my money. I wonder what God thinks about relationships. I wonder what God thinks about happiness. I wonder what he thinks about true happiness. And he says, as you do that, as you put a value on that, it, it begins to change something. See, the truth is many Christians are unhappy. They are, and, and there's this, this thing. It's, yes, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they still have this unhappiness on the inside. You know what's really interesting is that many Christians have no plan for reading the Word at all. As I was studying the Barner research from last year, last year they just said that based on polling Christians, people who claim to be Christ followers, how many of them read their Bibles? Did you know what they found? 86% don't. 86% of Christians don't read their Bibles at a, a, at a regular occasion throughout the year. I do a show of hands, but I just don't want to know. <laughs> but you know what? As you read this, he just said something. You want true happiness? He says, truly happy people place a value on reading the Word of God. You're like, oh, but I don't feel happy when I read the Bible. Sometimes I don't get it. I'm not sure. And yet Psalm 1 says it's a regular occurrence, and it's a regular part of a happy person's life. Some are not sure if it's relevant or if it's for their good, but it's this idea of taking some time to read it. Many don't have a plan for reading the Bible, and that's just simply the reason they don't do it. I want to do it, but they don't have a plan to do it. And so, you know, a lot of times when they, they're like, hey, I, I, I want to follow what Jesus says, but they just have no idea what he says. And so they ask people for advice. I get this all the time. Hey, Mark, what do you think about relationships? And I'll share the word of God with them. They're like, well, I was talking with some people, and they said, they said this and this. And I was like, yeah, but does the Bible say that? You know, they tell me stuff like this. You know, God helps those who help themselves. Sounds nice. Not in the Bible. The Lord works in mysterious ways. You can't understand anything that he does. He's just so mysterious. Sort of in the Bible. But he says that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the heart of God. So you can know what he's all about. Really? You know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Next time you're at a funeral, please don't tell the person that. Because God's not killing their loved ones to see how much they can handle. And yet they think that like, oh, God... Man, I'm breaking here, but if you think I can handle this, 
Leviticus. They've got to trust it. Please don't put any more on me. And he wasn't in the first place. But they don't know because they just don't, they don't have a plan. They haven't spent time just regularly reading the Bible. And you know what the part of it is, that I found is? They don't understand the value in it. So a couple, a couple of weeks ago, I went shopping with Beth. We went on a date, and our date took us to Talese. I don't know how that happened. She loves Talese, and I'm like, happy wife, happy life. Let's go to Talese. I like Talese shopping because it costs me less, but that's about it. So I go in there, and it's a thrift store, and we're going through, and normally when we go to the thrift store, she goes and shops, and, and I look through the store. It like, takes me five minutes, and then I've got to wait. And so I was like, a couple times ago, I thought, you know, I'm just going to read a book or something. I don't read, but here, I'll just, whatever. So I, I found this big book about golf, and I was like, that's cool. The last time I was there, I found this book, and it was the, the Mysterious Places, and it was like this big book, and then, I don't know, I'm going to, you know, I'll try and read it, and picked it out, and it was like a dollar, and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to spend a dollar on this book. I'm definitely not going to keep it. But then as I opened it, and I thumbed through, I found this in the book. And all of a sudden, I had this thought. I found it. It's mine. And he's like, it's not yours. I'm like, oh, yeah. And and then I realized, I was like, there's a story in the Bible in the New Testament where Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man going through a field. And he finds a treasure in that field. And he realizes the value of the treasure. So he hides the treasure again. Then he goes to the guy. He buys the field. And then he owns the treasure. So I went to the till. I paid $1. I bought the book. And I opened it and got 20 bucks. And I was like, this is awesome. You know what? The thing is that I didn't want that book until I knew what was in it. I didn't want that book. Something changed as soon as I realized there's actually something that I want in this book. And then it was like there's a value there. And you know what's the same thing for us? Once we realize that true happiness is tied into those pages, that those words, when they come off those pages into our head and into our heart, they bring us the things that we, that, that we actually desire. And it's like we don't, sometimes we don't realize it, but it's this idea of spending time reading the word and having a plan. Truly happy people give time and attention to knowing God's advice and instruction. We'll talk about that in a bit. Psalm 1 verse 3, he carries on. He says, they are like trees, happy, truly happy people. He describes them like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. He describes the best possible life for a tree. Healthy trees, fruit-bearing, well-nourished, not, no leaves withering. I mean, this is like, if you're a tree, this is the tree you want to be, like this one. He describes the best possible life. He says, you know what? They prosper. People who do what I just said prosper in whatever they do. They find true happiness in marriage. They find true happiness in parenting. They find true happiness in work. They find true happiness in life. They prosper in everything, whatever it is that they do. How would you like it if you could just prosper in whatever it was you were doing? Nobody. Shoot, I was preaching at the wrong church. All right. True happiness comes as a result. and We're like, ah, so which tree do you want to be? Do you want to be the tree by the river, or do you want to be Charlie Brown's tree? What best reflects the life that you'd like to see ahead of you? So important. What best reflects the life you want to see ahead of you? See, Jesus told his disciples when he talked to them, he said very similar things, very similar words. In John 15, he writes about this idea of remain in me. Same words. Remain. Stay connected to me, and you'll bear much fruit. Let my words remain in you and you'll be fruitful. If you don't have that in your life, you're going to wither. And he says, you're not going to bear, you're not going to bear any fruit. Uh, and he, he knew that the part of the key to being fruitful is having the word in our life. Why? Because Jesus knew that the thoughts that we think about end up being seeds sown in our heart. Those seeds grow and they produce fruit in our lives. The thing is that true happy people realize 
That it's not about going for it, but it's about sowing for it. That true happiness is something you sow for like the seeds. And Jesus, most, his most famous sermon was a sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5. I'm not going to read through all of the things today for the sake of time, but you've heard this one before if you've been around church at all. So I just want to give you a quick link to, to a place where you can hear this thing out in its full entirety. If anything kind of jumps out at you, you're like, ah, oh, I want to know more about that, go to happyseries.org. It's a series by Andy Stanley. Go to session two, and it talks about this part just in depth. But I just want to give you a couple thoughts, and maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't thought about. Maybe for you, it's a scripture that you want to study. Yeah, take pictures of it. Good. It's, uh, no, it's good. I want you to have the, this stuff in your hearts, because my heart is, is for, for you. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, when he's sitting down with his disciples, he begins to describe what a happy person looks like. If you could ask Jesus, Jesus, what's going to make me truly happy? He describes a person that looks like this. Happy people, he says, are those who, because the word blessed, anybody have any idea what the word blessed in Greek also means? Happy. So when you read this, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed is the, and you're like, oh, you read through, and you're like, oh, whoop dee ding until you read it happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. What does it mean? Happy are the people that whether they're wealthy or poor, it doesn't matter what they have. He's like, if they're rich, he says, happy are the people who know that they still need to trust in God. That every day they're like, God, you know what? I could lean towards my own strength because I make pretty good money. I can take care of myself. But happy people are the ones who say, you know what? It's not about me, God. You're the one who meets my needs, and what I have is yours, and it's learning to trust him. Happy are those who mourn or grieve. You're like, how did that go together? How does happiness and mourning go together? And he says, it's this idea of being emotionally connected to life, realizing that you can embrace that death is a part of our life. Because when you realize that, too many have such a fear of death that it robs them of the joy of life. They don't do anything because they're avoiding this thought, this idea of death. And, you know, there's, there's this scary side to it. But he says, you know what? Truly happy people can be happy even in the, in the, in the situations of mourning because they mourn with hope. They're going to be comforted. They know it. Happy are the humble. Happy are the humble, the ones who are like, you know what? I'm going to put others before me. I'm going to put other people's needs before my own. Truly happy husbands are the ones who put their wife's needs above their own. That's better than an amen. <laughs> Happy are those whose wives who put their needs, uh, their husbands' needs above their own. They find true happiness. And you're like, oh, that's against what I think. Jesus said truly happy people are those who hunger and thirst for what's right. They're committed to doing what's right no matter what it costs them. You know, those who are willing to ask teenagers, high school students, those who are willing to ask the question, what's the right thing to do in this situation? Well, everybody's cheating on this test. If I don't cheat, I'm not going to pass. What's the right thing to do? Well, all those other kids are skipping school today, you know, because it's whatever. It's what we do. What's the right thing to do? Yeah, but if I stay, it's just going to be me and the teacher. What's the right thing to do? You know why? Because later on in life, you got no guilt, no regrets, clear conscience. If you're dating, what's the right thing to do? So many people, we want Mr. Right now instead of Mr. Right. We want to go for what's right here instead of waiting down the road for what's right. He says, you know what? Truly happy people are the ones who desire what's right. Happy are the merciful. What does that mean? Happy are the people who are relationally generous. In your relationships, the ones who give to others what they don't deserve. Happy, truly happy people are the ones who forgive mom and dad for the things they did wrong in your life. 
Truly happy people are the ones who forgive their boss, who are, who are offering to those that, uh, that things that they don't deserve. They forgive the, the, ch- their, their, the people from church that have hurt them. They forgive. We talked about that last week. Happy are the pure in heart. This one's incredible because he says, happy are the pure in heart because they have a chance to see God. They have the chance to see what God is doing in your life. You know what we find so often? People are going through life, making decisions, making decisions, and they get blindsided by the consequences. And what do they say? How come I didn't see that coming? How come I didn't see it? How come, how come nobody told me? Well, for one, you didn't want to hear it. For two, you know, how come I didn't see it? He says this, this idea of purity, it leads to clarity in your life. Purity is not something we talk about ever. I think Andy Stanley says the only time we talk about purity is when it comes to water. That's about the only thing we talk about in our culture, about purity. Truly happy people are those who are like, I'm going for purity. I don't care what anybody else thinks because I know that down the road, it's going to result in happiness. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy are the peacemakers. The ones who are reconciling relationships. How many of you know any happy troublemakers? You know that person on Facebook who always just puts up stuff on there because it's like confrontational? You know, they stir the drama pot just because they're not happy unless everyone else is miserable. And you realize they're not really that happy. Truly happy are the ones who reconcile relationships. Happy are the persecuted is the last one. You're like, happy and persecuted? How do those things go together? Let me tell you this. Persecution is not completely avoidable in your life. You're going to go through persecution one way or another in this life, I promise you. You'll be persecuted for doing the right thing or you'll be persecuted for doing the wrong thing and you get to choose what that's going to be. Only on one side of that equation can you ever actually be happy. You can suffer the consequences of doing the right thing and still be truly happy. But you can't suffer the consequences of doing the wrong thing and be truly happy. There's going to be people that you know, are, going to, are going to just rip you apart for choosing to live your marriage in a certain way, for raising your kids in a certain way, for loving God, for being here this morning. The choices that you have matter. The common theme in all of this. So if you were asleep, just wake up, because this is the part you need so badly. The common theme in all of this is that happiness, true happiness, is an outcome. It's never the goal. True happiness is a byproduct. It's never the main thing. Something now leads to true happiness down the road. All of these things that Jesus described, he says, you know, it's not true happiness that that you said, oh, okay, I just heard it and I can walk out the door and I'm I'm happy now. I'm good. I'm good to go. He says it's something that's going to happen down the road. You sow and you reap your way to happiness. The worldly advice says just go for it and it'll make you happy. We know it doesn't work. Jesus says you got to sow for happiness. You have to sow for it. You know, you sow and you reap your way to happiness just the same way that you sowed and you reaped your way to unhappiness. If you're unhappy, look at, you look back and you're like, oh, there's things I've done, there's decisions I've made that have led me to this place. You're right. Last thought, Jesus told a story about a wise man and a foolish man at the end of his message here in Matthew. He talked about two guys who built two houses. And one, one of the guys who's building the house I like this side. This is a side that heard what Jesus said, and they did something about it. And so as they're building their, he says they built their house on the rock. Then he says the other side, there's a group here, he says they heard the words. They heard the same things that Jesus said, but they didn't do anything about it. And so when you think about building a house, building a house takes time. Brian, how long does it take to build a house for your crew? Four months. That's with a crew of professionals. Now, how long does it take to do it on your own? 
Let's go with four years. Four years of time building and building and building. And listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying for those of here who heard the words that said, okay, this is what true happiness looks like. They began to build. They began to do some of the things that was just said. They began to get in the word. They began to live their life thinking, Jesus, what do you want me to live? And they began building, not a house, building their life. And for a few years, they're building and building and building. And a storm comes and hits their life. And, and, they, and their, their house stands firm because it was built on a rock. Their life stands firm. And they find out, man, I'm still truly happy no matter what happened. And they say, wow, it's because of all of this. Picture the very same thing. A person on this side hears the words of Jesus and and they're like, "Ah, I'm not doing anything about it. And you know what? Not doing anything about it is still building a house, still building a life. And four years down the road, they get to a place where a storm hits and it's like the house built on the sand. It just gets wiped out. And their life, they find out, oh, I'm so unhappy. What happened? Here's what happened. One sowed for it and one goed for it. Which one are you? Which one are you? Worldly advice would tell you, go for it. Just go for happiness, and and you'll get it. Jesus tells you, so for it. Like, Mark, you said that a lot. Yes, because I want you to remember it. That for truly happy people, they are the ones who realize that they needed to sow for it in their lives. Here's the thought. Sow for true happiness in your life, and then give it time to grow. That's why he says remain, stay in the word, stay in this spot until you see the fruit happen. You've got to give it time to grow. The problem that we have and why we don't experience true happiness is we just don't want to wait. We want everything now, the microwave mentality. You know what? I want dinner in a minute. I want happiness now. And he's like, it's more like a slow cooker. Stick it in there and wait a while. You'll see true happiness if you're willing to wait. And he says, don't give up in that. So my question for you. If you look back, if you, if each of you looks back this week, at your week, at your month, at your year, what decisions did you make in this past week, for instance, or this past month, or this past year? In those decisions, in the way that you've been living, what are you sowing for? Because both of those are sowing seeds, whether good or bad, and both will will, um, um, reap harvest in your life. So what are you sowing for, really? And my question is, what will you do today with what you now know? If we want true happiness, if we know that's what we really desire on the inside, what step will I intentionally take on the path towards true happiness today? What seed will I intentionally sow? What deed will I intentionally do differently to sow for happiness? We talked about a few this morning. Spending time in the Word, if you're one of those 86%, I have, I have some help for you. If we can throw it up on the screen here. Um, uh, the YouVersion Bible is free. You can have this on your phone. If you don't have it, I, I want download it right now. Just so, get out your phones. Many of you are on them already anyways. Just put Angry Birds off and, um, and, and, and go to the App Store. I'll even give you the Kingsway Wi-Fi password if there's anybody who really wants. Because it's such a simple thing. Why does this matter? Because what's cool about this is as you download this and put it on your phone, you can sign up for a plan. I want to read the book of Psalms in a year. I want to read the New Testament in a year. Heck, I want to read the whole thing in a year. And then you start, you're like, oh, this was tough. What it does is it signs you up with a bunch of, uh, of your friends here at Kingsway who are like, hey, I'll do this with you. Let's read together. So my wife, she's on this with her brother. He's a pastor of Sweets Corners. And as he's, you know, as they're reading, she's, the other day she's sitting down there. She's like, oh, man, I'm two days behind. I'm like, that's okay. Just do a day. She's like, no, I got to do three days. I'm like, why? Because Wesley and I are on the same thing, and he knows if I haven't read. And I'm like, 
oh. And so she's like, she's reading, and she's like, click, check, red, ding, done. All of a sudden, her phone goes, ding. She looks, Wesley liked it. And I was like, what encouragement to just be putting the word into your heart. If you're not putting the word into your heart, you are sowing in a direction that cannot bring you to true happiness. You know, start a reading plan. Get on with some friends to do it. Maybe you're like, I can't do this on my own. Join a small group. My friend Derek's here. He runs a whole bunch of small Can you just wait for a second just so people know? Talk to this guy if you want to be a part of a small group. A bunch of us have done it, and it's been, like, just awesome learning and growing. It's not always easy, but, man, does it make you get into the word and grow and, and have conversations. Maybe you're like, I'm not really good at, at the reading thing. Right now, media, you can sign up for free. We pay for it so you can have it. To sign up and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to access some of this stuff. I'll watch it at home or listen to it in my car so that I can learn some of these just different things just as other people are teaching the word. Or grab a link to the Andy Stanley series from earlier. And maybe for you it's going to be this. Maybe it's going to be that step of just, hey, you know, Psalm 1, I'm going to get into the word. But maybe for you it's this, that by God's grace today, you're going to say, I'm going to start making right decisions no matter what it costs me right now. By his grace, I'm going to start initiating peace in the broken relationships in my, in my life. I'm going to be a peacemaker instead of just continuing to run from it. By God's grace, I'm going to pursue purity, even if no one else in my school does, or if no one else thinks it's cool. I'm going to be, pursue purity. By God's grace, I'm going to choose to put others' needs Others in my family, others around me, I'm going to put their needs ahead of my own. By God's grace, I'm going to remind myself every day that I need to trust him for everything I need and not, not trust the fact that I know what, what, what is going to make me happy because I get it wrong. But you'd say today, you know what, I truly do want to be happy. I'm going to be honest with myself. I truly want to be happy, so I'm going to sow for it. I'm going to sow for it. I'm going to sow for it. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that it's not just like any book, but it's alive, it's living, it's powerful, and it's life-changing. Thank you that it is like seeds in our, in our hearts and that it grows and produces fruit in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray this morning that for, for each of us here, we would have continued and, and maybe have our eyes open to see just how valuable and how amazing your word in our language it, it is. What, a, what an incredible gift that is to us. Lord, I pray for those who are, you're just tugging on their hearts this morning, that they just sense on the inside they need to do something, that, God, you'd give them the courage to do it soon and that you give them the wisdom to choose uh, the, the, the things that, that you desire for them. Thank you for giving us the chance to experience happiness, and thanks for giving us the way to it. Jesus, thanks above all for giving your life for the times we got it wrong. Thank you for your complete forgiveness that so we start from level ground and we don't have to dig our way out of the hole we put ourselves in, but you help us to, to sow our way to, to where we desire and you desire us to be. Thank you that you're for our good and we desire to live for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.